Well, guys, I want to thank you for tuning in to the Youth and Culture podcast, where youth ministry and culture collide. I'm your host, Ryan Sebastian, and I am joined with my co-host, David Pinkham. Hey, guys, I am happy to be here, happy to be back from vacation, feeling quite vacated. I guess that's the, I don't know if that's the right word to use. Um, but I'm excited to be back and 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 going into things. Uh, I'm really excited right now too because um, I get the opportunity to do some FCA stuff in our area, Fellowship Christian Athletes, with our local soccer team, and their season starts uh, tonight, the day we recorded, and that's their first home game, and so uh, it's just an awesome opportunity to uh, be out in the community, to be seen, to minister to these kids. Uh, one of the things that I've noticed over the years is that if you can get to know them in their middle school years, uh, and they can get to know you, then by the time they get to high school and they're a lot more stubborn, they're all, they're still willing to kind of listen, uh, because you have invested in their lives a little bit. So, uh, it's exciting for me to do that. And, uh, I I'm excited to hear from you, Ryan, because you just had an awesome trip down to Florida last week. And why don't you tell everybody about that? Yes, I had an opportunity to go to the Youth Pastors Summit down in Orlando, Florida, uh, which it was a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal conference. Of course, it was a little bit different because of COVID. Uh, we only met one day rather than having it two days and have breakout sessions on the second day. So it was a, it was a little bit different, but it was, it was completely great. Enjoyed it. I had the opportunity to take a, a guy I'm training and and and. A, and youth ministry and I got had was able to take him down and uh, talk to him more uh, during the conference about youth ministry. I also had an opportunity to, to actually help out with youth ministry booster and that was a lot of fun as well. Um, we got to talk to a lot of people that I've uh, seen through screens over the last yeah. year, year and a half and I actually got to meet them in person so that was pretty cool and pretty neat uh, to me uh, to have the opportunity and of course Got to hang out with my good friend, Zach, working over there at Youth Ministry Booster. Uh, for those of you who have listened to the podcast a while, we're definitely going to have him on the podcast again. Um, I'm looking forward to that as well. But yeah, it's just, just it was really fun. Uh, it was one of the few conferences I was actually able to meet in person, uh, which is, for me, it was extremely beneficial because I don't know about y'all who are listening and you, David, I'm tired of online conferences mm -hmm. burned out with them so uh, it was great to have an opportunity to meet face to face even though we were in a mask uh, but uh, it was it was a great opportunity to meet in person um, but yeah well, I so think I, the, I think the real question here though is did you get to meet cool Carl face to face yes I did and I actually got a photo with him which was really? a, lot, a lot of fun yeah what was that like it was interesting because uh, um, you know, again, those of you who are maybe listening don't know who Cool Carl is. Go check out Sunday Cool. Yeah, okay, just go on Facebook, go on YouTube, type Sunday Cool. Uh, you'll see a lot of videos that they do. Uh, but 
yeah, Kokor typically is is out and taking photos and doing hugs, doing weird things for photos. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of COVID, he was actually in a clear box, <laughs> which was hilarious. Like the Pope. Yeah, it's clear, <laughs> clear box. Uh, so you could actually take off your mask and take a picture. Uh, anyway, it was it was hilarious and, and oh, a lot of funny. fun. Were there uh, holes in the, the box? There there was holes with a glove, so you can put his hand inside <laughs> the glove. And kind of semi give you a side hug <laughs> or something. Uh, anyway, that was that was that was it was it was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was good to hang out with those Sunday cool as well with with Andy to noon and all the um. Uh, it was a lot of fun as well. Well, guys, I'm I'm really excited about this uh, this episode, uh, this week's episode because we're going to talk about a subject. I don't think I really don't think that a lot of youth youth pastors youth leaders are good at because I know I'm terrible at it. I don't even think we think about it. No. And, and that is a transitioning. How to transition uh, fifth graders into your ministry, or if, you, or if your ministry starts at seventh grade, sixth graders into your ministry, and how to transition them from elementary uh, ministry to children's ministry to your youth ministry, and how to do that effectively. Um, so I, was really, it was, I really enjoyed talking to Kristen Mascola. Uh, specifically on this topic, uh, I think she's she's a middle school pastor, extremely smart when it comes to to this and transitioning into youth ministry. So I was, I, to be honest with you, I walked away learning a lot from this interview. Well, guys, stay tuned as we talk with Kristen Lascola. guys, I am super excited uh, about our topic today because we're talking about something I don't think we really focus on in youth ministry, and that is this transition from elementary uh, to our student ministry and how to do that effectively. Um, so I'm very excited to be have the opportunity to talk with Kristen Lascola specifically about this topic and how can we be more effective uh, in this area. So Kristen, how about you kind of introduce yourself a little bit for those who don't know you, uh, your journey in ministry and where you are today. Yeah, well, I'm stoked to be here. So thanks, Ryan. And um, yeah, so I am the middle school pastor at a church in San Diego County called North Coast Church. We have, uh, I think, seven campuses. So I'm the middle school pastor at one of those campuses. It's our town's called Fallbrook. So I mostly just tell people San Diego because that resonates a little better when we're talking, you know, across the country. But um, so, yeah, I do sixth, seventh and eighth grade. I've been on staff there at the same church for, I think, 18 years. I don't know, uh, something like that, 17, 18 years, but I'm all doing middle school ministry. So um, I love middle schoolers. Um, and I also do um, a podcast on my own called the Ministry Coach Podcast. So I was part of YMB for a while with Zach Workin and Chad Higgins. So if you were a YMB fan in the past, you might remember me from that. Um, and then 
uh, now my husband and I do our own podcast called the uh, Ministry Coach Podcast. So we've been doing that for, I guess, about a year now. We just had like our 50th episode. So that makes me think, I guess it's been about a year. So um, yeah, love doing that and just dabbling in other things, whether it's speaking or conferences or, um, you know, hanging out with you doing other podcasts and stuff like that. But yeah, pretty immersed in the youth ministry world, I guess. Yeah, no, we'll talk a little bit more about your podcast later because it is a phenomenal podcast. Um, Thank you. Uh, I, there, I, there is a lot of youth ministry podcasts are out there. Not all of them are very practical. So, uh, so I do think that yours is one of the most practical ones out there. Uh, but one question I do want to ask is, uh, for you and specifically when it comes to this transition is why is it important for youth pastors or youth leaders to have a transition strategy for moving elementary students into the youth ministry? Why is that even important? Well, you know, and I think like you were kind of saying in the intro, like I didn't even catch this for a while, you know, that it was important. Like I've told you, I mean, I've been in the game for a long time and I would say, you know, for my first big handful of years, I didn't um, think of it. I just was like, I took it for granted that students or children, I guess, would move up to student ministry. And it's like, well, yeah, you're in fifth grade and now you come to sixth grade. Like, what's so hard about that? <laughs> it's like everyone's moving up. And so I guess I didn't really see it for what it was in the beginning, that it was just this strategic opportunity um, and how different that is from a fourth grader to go to a fifth grader at church and then a fifth grader to go to a sixth grader. I didn't catch that large gap um, right at the beginning. And so the reason it's so important is because um, as we know from working in churches, there is a huge difference between children's ministry and student ministries, not only for the children themselves, but you know, you have to think of the entire family also. And we'll talk a little bit about that today, but um, this is a transition for everybody. Like if you think of the differences, um, children's church, children's ministry typically don't go to camps. And if they do, it's more like a VBS kind of like day thing, very local, all of that. So, um, you know, traveling with a group of youth and leaders is a brand new thing for families. Um, they don't have midweeks. They don't have, um, you know, they go to Sunday school on Sunday and that's it for the most part. I think I know of one church in our area that has a midweek program for children, like, and that's in all of Riverside, LA and San Diego County of the churches I know of one. Um, so now we're introducing church on a Tuesday and a Wednesday night. Um, that's all just meant for them. Uh, where their parents are dropping them off. Like that's a big step. I think, especially, you know, right at the beginning, like I drop you off at 7 PM, like, Whoa, like this is weird. Um, and being mixed with so many other kids who are a lot older. I mean, there's a huge difference between a sixth and an eighth grader. The eighth graders are like, you know, especially those second semester ones, they're big. They're about to be high schoolers. And these sixth graders are fresh off the fifth grade boat. And it's like, oh my goodness, like this is intimidating to walk into like students, you know? 
um, the culture of student ministries is much different than children's ministry. You know, we were a lot more energetic. And um, for me, like my ministry is so energetic and um, like we try to really leverage energy in everything we do. And that could be a little overwhelming I had a, a student cry the other day. She was sixth grader because I play this intro for a game and it's like, sounds like a public service announcement. And then there's like this siren that goes off and like, then the lights go down. Like I try to make it like thematic and dramatic, you know? And like, cause the kids, I want them like, ah, like so excited about what we're doing, but it was just too much for like this sixth grade girl. And she just is bawling. And I like freak out. like oh my gosh, what happened? Did someone do something to you? Like what? And she's like, oh, the sirens. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's pretend. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. I had to like call her mom and be like, hey, sorry, we, you're going to pick your kid up with tears in their eyes. And so it's just like this, it's a big step. And I think it's bigger than we realize. Um, and so just taking for granted, well, yeah, you go from fifth to sixth grade, bada bing, bada boom, you know, but it, there is a cultural and schedule mindset that has to go with it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting that, uh, you mentioned, uh, about, uh, elementary, like children's ministry, not really having anything like during the week, like every programs, because I in the South where I'm currently located, it's a total opposite. Really? Uh, it, yeah, it's 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 midweek programs are are huge for children with Awana, uh, with um, other. Okay, programs. we do have Awana. We do. Okay. I didn't think of that as because our church doesn't host Awana, but yes, we yeah. have churches in this area that do. Yeah, so so it's it's actually really big, uh, and and our in fact, I would go as far as to say, uh, my culture, uh, where I'm located children's ministry is seen as a big deal uh, for most families in the church. Uh, but once they enter the uh, youth ministry, student ministry, uh, it, it diminishes the priority of sending your kids to make sure your kids are in church. A lot of it has to do with trying to find your kid's thing, whether it's dance, sports, or whatnot uh, during that time period. But Kids has always been gun ho when it comes to midweek programs. So, so I find wow. that a little bit fascinating. Yeah. Uh, the culture difference from different parts of, of the U.S. So I found that, I found that really, really interesting. Um, what, one thing that's, it's, uh, you kind of brought a question that I uh, kind of want to hash out a little bit with you too, uh, that I was just thought about is um, when it comes to, because uh, we live in Generation Z, and Alpha, Gen Alpha, uh, what we're sh showing more when you look at research from either Barna, um, we look at Fuller Institute and some other ones that we're seeing more of a helicopter parentish mindset among parents. It's not like it was, uh, say, in the 90s, early 2000s, even the 80s, where it's more of keeping kids from growing up too fast. That's why a lot of youth ministries are designed around during that time. Um, so what I'm seeing, at least in my culture, my context, is I'm seeing more sixth graders, specifically going to sixth grade, being less uh, mature and more parents, are, in simple terms, babying them uh, than it was probably 10 years ago. 
Do you see that any correlation that maybe we're in your context where you're at? Yeah, I do. And I think, um, and, and I don't know exactly when that shift changed. I mean, I wouldn't say it's always been that way, but um, yeah, sometimes it's like that mind trip. You're like, is it just you seem younger because I am older now? Or is there some like phenomenon, you know, going on there, like you're saying? And um, yeah, I think especially coming off of COVID, just the shelter for the last year, um, students coming in of just, yeah, seeming a lot younger in terms of um, exposure to maybe what they would have been exposed to um, in school and the things that they're, um, that they have questions about or um, that they're dealing with or the kinds of conversations that we're having definitely have changed. Um, and for us too, you know, our, our demographic changed a bit too. And I've noticed throughout um, like my youth ministry history is based on the demographic of my kids, the, uh, the maturity and conversation also changes, you know, um, cause there was a whole time where we had like these kids who just skated to church, came on their own and, um, weren't really connected to families. They were maybe one of more of those nineties kids and the conversations we were having then were very different of, Hey, here's some stuff we have to address. So, um, yeah, I see that, um, what you're talking about, but I don't know. I don't know how long that is going to last. I don't know when that tide, you know, will then shift again or, or what's going on, but, um, paying attention closely to it, you know? Yeah, there's a, I've been seeing a little bit, um, of a different culture shift with my, with my, teens uh specifically sixth grade sixth seventh grade uh within the last really the last five maybe six years and again this may be just by context personally uh but and, and again i'm gonna and the reason why i'm thinking about this question right now because i deal with that with something even recent last christmas this past christmas that those of you who are listening when i say this may be upset and may look at me and say what i did was wrong that's okay uh but I've been doing student ministry for over a decade and we talk about in student ministries a lot of times uh, during Christmas, we, we talk about what Christmas is really about. Uh, we did talk about how Santa Claus is not really real. Here's why we kind of had this kind of conversations. Oh, I know where you're going. Oh, oh yeah. I, I, because that happened to me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, 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 cause I, because right now I'm short in leaders, like everybody else is. So, so I'm leading the our small group of guys, and there's some junior high guys, and I'm just having a conversation about uh, about Santa Claus and Christ, and how how we focus too much on things that's 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 outside of what Christmas is about. We had that kind of conversation, and we and, and what came up is basically who Saint Nick really was. Um, and then so everybody was fine in in that in that group but i had parent after parent after <gasps> parent oh no call me that night uh, and throughout the next couple of days and upset said their their kids still believed in santa claus i had a seventh grader who's still believed in santa santa claus um and i and i've been in, again i've been in youth ministry for over a decade never have i've dealt with that before interesting very interesting but it did bring start start a conversation and a thought process of 
of my sixth graders are actually in my context with my families in my in my local congregation are not ready for youth. Mm, mm. Um, so we've had a had a conversation of of maybe it's maybe <laughs> sixth in grade group. There's no <laughs> Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. So we we actually we actually did this just we're we're we already have a plan for next year to where a sixth grade stays with um, elementary. Um, they're going to be treated differently and trying to transition them in youth. And what we mean that our children's director are doing is that those sixth graders, the parents specifically, are going to have a list of topics, things they have to talk with their, their, their kid about before they go in youth. And I have wow. my, seventh, my seventh graders, same <laughs> is thing. Santa Claus on that Santa list? Claus is on the list. <laughs> and... I, again, oh, it, it was it was good for me it, to realize that hey, realize our culture and and do ministry around the culture. But it chasing that rabbit a little bit. But that's kind of what produced that question is just sure. you know, dealing with that process, even with my elementary youth, how that worked. Well, I mean, I it. told you that story of that girl. I mean, yeah. that's never happened to me. I play that. It's like this like fake public service announcement it's just my voice roboticized yeah. you know and it's like to set up this game and um usually the kids lose their mind they're so excited and they're like screaming and la like you know they're just ready to go it caught me completely off guard so i don't know if that's my i had a santa claus situation a couple of years ago but that you know and i just took it for granted like oh everyone in this room knows like Santa Claus isn't real. So I just started talking as if we were all on the same page because it didn't even occur to me that a middle schooler would still believe in Santa, but they did. And, you know, I didn't get a phone call from the parent, but because I thought you go to school, be, like, are no other kids talking about this like around Christmas time? Like, I just was surprised that they had made it this long without a friend spoiling it for mm -hmm. them. You know, I'm like, I'm the one who spoiled it for you. Like you go to school. Like, I don't know. I, anyways. Even with, uh, I kind of posed that question on a very known, well-known face youth ministry, Facebook group, just seeing if any other youth pastors, youth leaders are dealing with this. And I got braided by uh -oh. youth. Leaders. So, so I think it's, it's, I didn't realize it's such a controversial issue. Oh man. Well, you know, maybe come December, we just do a whole episode on this. <laughs> there's a lot to unpack with yes. this Santa so talk. Yeah. So future episode, future episode. So why you need yes. to talk to your youth about there's is no Santa Claus. <laughs> oh man. So, so when it comes to transition, uh, again, from elementary to youth, what is a practical strategy for transitioning elementary to youth ministry? I think that's, we know, I think a lot of people, a lot of us understand it needs to happen. A lot of us maybe not understand how. Sure. Um, so like I was saying, there was, you're transitioning a whole family, right? So we have to think beyond the student because the parents are their number one, like gatekeeper to the schedule and to the participation and enthusiasm and all that. It doesn't matter how bad a sixth grader incoming sixth grader wants to come to youth group, if their parents aren't sold or feel in the loop, it doesn't really matter what your strategy is, right? So my first thing that I think is worth 
talking about is just the early communication to those incoming sixth grade parents. So I have two distribution lists in my email that are right there, ready to click on. One is current middle school parents and one is current fifth grade parents. And so I don't put them on the same list because obviously I need to communicate different things to them, but I have that other one ready to go so that I can communicate to incoming sixth grade parents early and often. So, and by often, I don't mean every week, but um, I kind of set a schedule. So I want them to um, know about summer camp pretty far out. So I tell them fifth grade parents like, Hey, this is when our summer camp is. We're so excited for you guys to transition up to middle school, you know, um, in May or June. Um, here's where our camp is. Here's the cost, save the dates. Cause people get their summer calendars. I mean, I'm sure the same where you are like early, you know? Um, so I would say that's like a nine month, six month, three month, summer camp reminder. And then when your signups are actually live, you know, make sure you let them know. Um, and then if you have any other things they need to know, like if you're doing like a transition event, um, and I'll talk about that in a second, we do like a four week event on our midweek that helps transition those fifth graders up to sixth grade. So they're like invited to start coming to youth group before they're officially in our ministry, like on the weekends, I make sure parents know all about that. And then when we get a little closer, we do a little extra, it's snail mail, but it's so fun. So we get these postcards printed with our ministry logo and stuff like that. And we get a list of all of the fifth graders who are coming up next year. And this is probably two months out. And we write them a handwritten little postcard like, um, hey, Gage, we're so excited that you're going to be coming up to chaos on June 2nd. You know, we're so excited to meet you. Can't wait to hang out, blah, blah, blah. And then we pop it in the mail to them. So it's just like feels like this little personal invitation as well. And then the parents see, wow, like we're reaching out to you. We're reaching out to your kid. We know their name already and we're already excited for them. And what fifth grader gets mail? None of them. So even though it's like old fashioned to send mail, I think it's still kind of exciting. Like, whoa, you got a postcard written out to you. And so I just get my leaders and interns and we kind of share that load. So I don't just sit in my office for four days writing postcards. But um, I think that's kind of like the first step for me is, and for your listeners is like, okay, like where has your communication strategy been? Because I don't think you can wait till like June 1st and be like, hi, I'm the middle school pastor. Like uh, we have stuff going on. You should come, you know? Um, and that's one thing I think in my context that I've been known for is, um, like very clear communication to who needs to know it because without that people can't participate even if they wanted to like if they have to and i've said it before on the on my podcast is like if you're making people hunt for information and then you wonder why they're not showing up like those two things like th they have to go together communication and attendance um there's a correlation there for sure um, and so after you get that communication strategy, strategy down, 
um, I like to do some kind of transitional event, like I was saying. So um, in May, we do something called like Battle of the Genders or something like that. I don't know if that would be um, off color in this climate. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe uh, yeah. I'll change the name of it, but it used to be this like big, like boys versus girls kind of thing. So maybe we'll kind of revisit that. Not the point. The point is it is two teams and each week we, um, play some really like fun, competitive games, you know, have the leaders dress up, you know, kids are on a team and then there's some kind of prize at the end. So if you have a budget to do a prize, you know, in the past, I've taken the kids to the winning team to the trampoline park, um, and in and out or, you know, whatever, what's your guys's burger of preference out there? Is it Whataburger or Whataburger? No, we're we are too far east for Whataburger. That's that's okay. uh that that and I'll have my family's from Texas, so I love Whataburger. Uh but we're uh that's a good question. I would say we got of course we have Burger King McDonald's, we have Cookout, which is a southern chain. We have five guys. Okay. Um those are the so kind of realms. Take your kids to five guys. They would probably love that. I don't know what cookout is, sounds delicious, but it, it is a North Carolina chain. Okay, so take them to the local favorite, take them to the trampoline park. If you don't have a budget for something like that, I mean, you can tell them like, hey, you pitch in 10 bucks, I'll cover the rest. Um, or if you have the budget to cover all of it for them, or you could do something fun that we've done in the past where you make the losing team serve the winning team an ice cream party and it just kind of is like it's no big deal to serve ice cream but it's just this like ha ha like kind of fun tension that's built like the kids aren't mean about it it just is like you know kind of this fun like vibe that everyone's still participating but the losers have to serve the winners ice cream um and then of course the losers can have some ice cream too the winners always share um and one kind of technique I've learned for this one is number one, make sure you're promoting it in the fifth grade class. So that's just kind of like this extra step you have to remember is like, you aren't with them every week. So making sure that they have flyers or a cool promo video or something, because those kids also aren't on social media as they should not be. So you have to find a way to hype them up. So make sure you're coordinating with the children's pastor or your fifth grade, you know, teacher or whatever to give them what they need to push that you can kind of run in their room and do something exciting, like, um, some kind of funny thing, just getting them excited, uh, to do the event. But, um, yeah. And another thing is I, I don't know why I do this, but I love like intense competition, but I realized for this age group, it needs to be more fun and friendly competition. Cause I like things to be like, dun, 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 like big, like gauntlet style and just like intensity. And I like to build the dramatics, like I said, but for this age group, I learned because I didn't already know um, that the first couple years I tried to do an event like this to help them feel a part of our group, um, I made it too dark. So um, anyways, just make it like light and bubbly because they're kids. They're children. That's why I don't do children's ministry. <laughs> like my, my vibe is not that. So I have to kind of adjust for this. So yeah, like this whole point is let them 
get this like sneak peek and be a part of a mid your midweek program before they officially transition to your ministry on a Sunday. So it's just building the excitement. And I guess my context is so different than yours because, because they've never had a midweek, like this is like the moment they've been waiting for is like, my older brother goes to chaos. It's so fun. I can't wait till I get to go. And we're like, you get to come in May a little early. And they're like, yeah. So for us, it's like this rite of passage to like start getting to come to youth group. So for someone more in your context, I'm sure a lot of listeners are the same. It just didn't occur to me because children's church isn't like that where I, where I am. Um, you know, I don't know, it might be a harder sell or it might be like, oh yeah, we're used to this. This is awesome. I don't know. I mean, I guess you'd have to strategize around that, like culturally. Yeah. I think, uh, to be honest with you, I think it, it would still work and work perfectly uh, because at least, again, my context and what I see of the years here is that by the time kids are in fifth grade, they're done with Jones Church. Yeah. I've either just checking out, they're there, but they're so ready to move on. Uh, so the excitement is always there. Like I have, uh, I have parents coming to me even now saying that their fifth grader is so ready to get out of Children's Church, they're checking out and they want to go to youth because they're, I think, fifth grade and get my wife as a fifth grade teacher. Uh, so I'm listening, gleaned from her a lot of ways when it comes to that age group. But uh, by the time they get there, just, they're ready, they're ready to be teenagers. Yeah. but they're not ready to be teenagers. Right. That's, that's what the way. They want to be teenagers, but they're not necessarily 100% ready. Uh, so they're, so I, I think that will work perfectly uh, and work very well, even in a Southern Bible Belt type of context where I'm at work. I think it worked great. Awesome. Well, yeah. And theme it however you want, divide those teams however you want, um, you know, but we've had good success for that um and then another thing we do and this is more for the weekend is we call it because i don't know what else to call it so if your listeners have a better name for this please let me know because this name is so stupid um teach down and we don't really say that to the kids but it's it's because we take a weekend, usually in May, and guests teach in the grade right below us so that we get time with that group on their turf before we're asking them to come to our turf where they're nice and comfortable. So the high school pastor will come down and teach in my class, and then I'll go down and we do our fourth and fifth ministry combined. So I'll go down and teach in fourth and fifth. And then the fourth and fifth director goes down to second and third. So we do this thing where we all kind of go down a level and then we like um, try to get to know those kids. We also do a message. So it's like they're, we're preaching a sermon. Um, when I go in, I like to bring a few things with me. So number one, I show them our summer camp promo video. Um, and then I make sure every kid gets the permission slips and a summer camp flyer before they walk out the door. Then I like to play a game with them because they're, I say this all the time, there's a spiritual element to fun. And I think having fun with them right off the bat is super important. Then I'll probably do a message. Um, and then I will lead a small group. So they do small groups on Sundays and I like to sit in and help lead one of the um, small groups. And then I'll end with a promo video for our battle event coming up that they're invited to. And I'll make sure every kid then gets a flyer for that event as well. 
Um, flyers sometimes feel a little like old school maybe to some people, but at the same time, if kids are not on social media or checking out your website or something like that, like you've got to leave them something in their hand so that then they can give that to their parents. Um, and hopefully their parents already know because you've been doing your due diligence of communicating with them over email. But either way, that's kind of like what our preview weekend looks like. Um, oh, and then the last piece of the puzzle would be to um, have a parent orientation meeting. So that would be probably the night of the first night they're invited to your like battle event. So, um, you know, the, on a Tuesday in May, they're invited to start coming to our youth group. The hour before our program starts, I meet all the parents in the junior high room. I bring my leaders in. I introduce my leaders. I introduce myself. Um, <clears throat> then I try to keep it really short um, so that they kind of have time to like go out with their kid and help their kid get acclimated to youth group that night. Um, like I don't preach a sermon. I've tried like in the past, like such a doofus, like our mission statement is this and blah, blah, blah. Like, here's why youth ministry is biblical. Like I just am like, Oh, wow. Cringe. You know, I just say, don't preach at them. Just talk about summer. Um, I give them a summer calendar so that they know what's going on for June, July, and August. I show our summer camp promo and they leave with an information card for them to fill out, permission slips, and um, summer camp uh, stuff. So um, I let them do like a little bit of Q&A afterwards. And then um, I also make sure I give them my information. So I, um, there could be people who disagree with me on this and that's okay, then just don't do it. But I think it's really important for parents to have your cell phone number, um, and your email, duh. But, um, I give them my cell phone number that night. So I say, Hey, my mentality with that, I think some people are like, what? No, because they'll abuse it. If you, maybe you have PTSD from giving parents your phone number. And I get that. I do not, I've never had a parent misuse or abuse it. But what I do realize is if you're going to trust me to have your kid, um, you know, potentially, whitewater rafting for a week up in the mountains, you get to have my phone number. If your kids are going to the beach with me once a week, we do beach days every Thursday, then they, you get my phone number. Even going to a youth group up until 9 or 10 p.m. sometimes on a midweek, you get to have my phone number. So that's just me. And I think it makes parents feel um, more comfortable, but I definitely try to mingle with them, meet every parent and I don't know about you or if you've seen this happen, but I think sometimes pastors and leaders, um, maybe on the younger side too, could just be a little intimidated by parent interactions, you know? And I just tell my leaders, because um, I have some that are super young, you know, like in that 18, 19 range. And I just say, you know what? Like we've got to just push through the awkward and you have to be friendly, you know, you have to introduce yourself, you, especially if you are a sixth grade small group leader, like if you feel uncomfortable, it will eventually go away. But like, you just have to push through that until you eventually work that muscle enough to you realize parents are not scary. They're not out to get you. They really are in love with what you're going to do with their, their kid and for their kid and the mentorship, you know, just bridge that gap. 
you know? And I said, cause sometimes for a parent, it's also intimidating to go up to an 18 or 19 year old and be like, hi, like, so you're the, the leader, like just make the first move, you know? And so I try to give them that little pep talk, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you mentioned, mentioned about, um, there's two things you mentioned I thought was pretty good, but the parent thing is definitely true. Um, if you're, if you're a younger youth pastor, haven't been in youth ministry long, uh, it can be very intimidating because you don't have that. The odds are you don't have a teenager of your own. And so sometimes I don't know, if, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I've definitely experienced this because I don't have a teenager. Sometimes, uh, it feels naturally like I can't minister to parents or have a connection with parents. Um, but that's actually not true. That's a total opposite. Right. So, uh, so I'm glad you mentioned that. And also another thing I want to kind of point in as well is, is the phone number thing that to me, and again, a lot of people disagree with that as well. Over a decade plus of doing youth ministry, I've always given out my cell phone number and never had an issue with it. But to me, it brings, um, uh, for me personally, it brings no level of being personal uh, and having a personal access to me. Uh, not say not doesn't mean that um, I can respond. I'm not going to respond to you when I'm with my family at night. I'm not going to. Um, I, I'll respond back uh, when I'm not with my family. So there's some boundaries you're going to have to have with that, uh, with getting out of your cell phone. But I, I'm with you. I've ne I've never had a parent abuse it. Um, not saying yeah, it doesn't happen. Exactly. Yeah, and if you have, then maybe like give it another try and like let this new batch of parents maybe prove that one wrong and if you still feel like because like you said you get to decide when you respond just because they call doesn't mean you have to answer just because they text doesn't mean you have to text back in that moment you're not like at their beck and call my rule of thumb for communication is like you will get a response in 24 hours and that's perfectly reasonable whether it's email phone call or you know, text 24 hours is, is reasonable for parents. Yes. I don't say I get back to everyone in 24 hours, just parents. And, um, you know, one of our senior pastors brought up a good point the other day. He goes, realize this, your students don't tithe their parents do. So these people are paying your paycheck every day or every, we don't get paid every day, um, every couple of weeks, you know, you, they pay that salary. And so be very careful of, um, how you treat them in terms of accessibility and communication. He's like, you know, if I get a phone call from a parent who says they've reached out to you and have not heard anything back, he's like, that will hurt you. You know, it's not like we're going to get fired. He's like, but man, that, that puts a, that takes you down a notch and costs you some relational chips because you've got to, you know, realize you have a job because of these people. And it, and, and it is true. It really is. Um, and I think one other thing you can do to kind of like help this transition is if you have a student leadership team, really leverage them to welcome in these new kids, you know? So, um, like kind of encourage them to like, Hey, remember what it was like when you were new, you're kind of the core now. So you guys are very comfortable and confident 
when you walk into this room, you know where to sit, you know what games to play, you know where to go. I really encourage you to take one of these sixth graders under your wing, not in a super like, I'm your big brother way, but like more so like, hey, come over here, like we saved you a seat. Or like, um, do you want to play four square? Like if you see a kid, like my my cringiest moments on the weekends are when new kids come in and they don't know what to do. And so they just stand there and I feel their uncomfortability. And I go up to them, obviously, like, hey, like, what's your name? Are you new? Blah, blah, blah. But when you see another kid go up to them and say like, hey, do you want to, I'll teach you how to play Ultimate Four Square or hey, do you want to play Mario Kart with us or whatever it might be? Like tell your kids like your service, like what God has given you is confidence and relational ability. And that's the way that you serve, you know, like you've got to bring these other people in like, and I kind of give them this spiel of like, do you want to know the number one reason people don't come back to church? I said, it's probably not going to be because I give a horrible sermon, which I'm sure <laughs> like happens, right? They're not going to be like, no, I don't like the teaching. No, I'm not coming back. It's going to be whether or not they have friends at church. And if you can make sure that they don't feel relationally neglected, I will preach the gospel to them and do the best that I possibly can, but we've got to work together. You're not going to get on stage and preach the gospel. I get that. That's not on your skill set at the moment, but what is in your skill set is to make sure these people feel comfortable enough that they will keep coming and not say they weren't friendly. I said, Ooh, if a kid comes back to this, does not come back to this church because we weren't friendly. If that was their only reason and we could have fixed that, like, shame on us, you know? And so I kind of give them this pep talk of like, if they just don't want church, if they just don't want Jesus, if they just don't want the gospel, if it's just not their thing, whatever, but let it never be said that it's because I didn't have any friends. They weren't friendly. They were clicky, you know, the classic line of just, I felt out of place and left out, but you know, like see these invisible kids guys, because I can only do so much. The leaders can only do so much is really coming down to you to like be excited for a fifth grader, not be like, Oh my gosh, they're so small. Like they always say that to me. I'm like, you were so small. Okay. Like get over <laughs> it and be their friend. <laughs> so, uh, I do want to talk about your podcast a little bit, but before we get into that, uh, diving that a little bit more about what kind of advice, of course, we're talking about transition. We're talking about uh, how being more effective at it and strategies uh, for that for elementary to, to youth. But what, what is, if you're going to pick one piece of advice for youth leaders, what would be that be? Here's, I think, the piece of advice that got me through those, like how we were talking pre-show about the Monday resignation days, where I think I've always had to discipline myself to know who my audience was in youth ministry. Um, so there's this book I read a while ago. Um, I always, okay. His name is Sean Wood. I always want to say his name, Sean White. And that's like, no, that's the snowboarder guy, Sean Wood. And he wrote this book called 200 pomegranates and an audience of one. And when I went through probably one of my darkest times of youth ministry, where I just felt like I was working so hard and yielding no results. And at the same time, almost being kind of um, jabbed at 
from all angles, you know, like it's just, you know, that feeling when you're like being kicked while you're down from someone who can't really empathize with the struggle because we were one of the first offsite campuses at our church and it was hard, you know, to like just go on very little resources and try to make something. And I was working so hard and I just felt jabbed from all angles. And then I read this book and it just totally changed my perspective and has stuck with me ever since of on those days where I feel very unappreciated or I feel like my efforts are going unnoticed or I feel unsuccessful or I feel jabbed at or judged or like I'm, my numbers are disappointing or my event is disappointing or the students didn't like this or the leaders are upset with this or I'm getting, you know, I just always go back to who is my audience and who am I doing this for? And I realize it's not my campus pastor. It's not my senior pastor. It's not the parents or the students. Like I answer to one person in youth ministry. And when I've had to make really hard decisions that have made people upset with me, I, you know, I, I had to have a really hard conversation with a student once and she was so mad at me. And she said, this would have been so much easier if you would have just left it alone. And I said, I realize that and trust me, I know. But I said, one day I'm going to have to give an account for how I led this ministry and this church. And I don't think God's super concerned with it being easy. I think he's concerned that I did the right thing. I said, so I know you don't like me anymore. I know your family doesn't like me anymore, but I know in my heart, this was the right thing. And I don't answer to you or your parents. I answer to God and I'm okay with that. And the, that moment was just, I mean, trust me, even just saying it brings me back to how traumatic that was, but like refocusing every time of this is who I answer to. Can I stand before God and say, yeah, I don't think I hit it out of the park every single day, but I was trying to be faithful with what you've given me. And, um, and that's the mindset I, I try to keep. So I think that is attributed to my longevity in ministry. Probably the most is realizing who I ultimately, uh, do this for because people will, um, make you question that. <laughs> like you knocked this message out of the park or so you think. And then a junior hire looks at you and goes, that was so boring. You're like, cool. Like I just totally poured all my gifts out on the altar of the Lord for you. And you trampled it. Check please. You know? Um, but I think I just have to, oh, I didn't do that sermon for you. I did it for God. I didn't do this for, uh, you know? And so I think that's what's gotten me through. Okay, it's kind of a tied in to, uh, it's, it's a great point what you just said, uh, because I feel like after talking to youth pastors all over the country uh, the last few years and being able to counsel a lot of them, uh, one thing I, I have, there's a trend that I'm seeing is that a lot of youth leaders uh, rely on their own strengths, their own abilities. Uh, there's a lot that are not, a lot of people are not spending time developing a relationship with God. Um, and it, and because of that, they wonder why they feel like they're about to burn out. They'll wonder why they're stressed out and discouraged and, um, 
and it goes back to exactly what you said. And a lot of that's part of that is learning that you're not doing this for yourself. You're not doing this for your church. Uh, ultimately, even though the church has hired you, you're not doing it for your church. You're doing it because this is what God's called you to do. Right. Uh, being obedient and faithful to him. Um, of course, your idea of success uh, may not be God's idea of success. So things might not happen the way you want it. Uh, but ultimately, as long as you're being faithful to him, things will go exactly the way he has planned and the way he wants it to be. Right. Uh, so I, I, I 100% agree with that. So, uh, so Kristen, you have an awesome podcast. I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about what, name your podcast. What is your podcast about and the purpose behind it? It's a great question. So, um, yeah, my husband and I together do the ministry coach podcast and, um, he said a great line, I think on our, one of our last episodes that the whole point of it was to be a coach to the coachless. Um, and they say that the most important years of your youth ministry to kind of figure out what you're made of is like the first five or six years, which just speaks to the need for longevity. And those first five or six years for me, um, were really hard because I was totally alone. And I know, you know, from chatting with you, you know what it's like to go from working on a team to working solo. And it, I did the same exact thing. So I worked at our main campus um, of North Coast Church, which is humongous. You have a facilities team, a graphics team, an everything team. And I was on a paid staff just for junior high of 10. There were 10 just junior high staff members. And, um, cause we were a huge church. Then they opened up a venue called the Fallbrook campus, which was like about a 20 minute drive from our main campus. And they said, Hey, we want you to be the junior high pastor there. And I took the job. So I went from a paid staff of 10 all this shared weight, all this shared creativity, all these shared lunches, and we're doing all this fun stuff and hanging out and we're all friends to literally working 100% alone. It wasn't even until I had been there, I think two years, they gave me an intern, a very part-time intern. And so I just was in shock of like, I don't know what to do we were all working together and everyone was doing things. And now I have to run a whole ministry all by myself, you know, cause I was a director before that. And, um, you know, I remember ordering different game packages and youth ministry magazines and things like that to really help me. But what I wanted more than anything was like a coach to just sort of like peel back the curtain for me and say, all right, here's what you need to know. And I think you spoke of, that's why my podcast is so practical because I want to put tools in a tool belt of someone who is starting out or maybe someone who is not growing the way that they thought they should, even at year seven, eight, nine, or 10 of like, I'm still lacking a little bit of what like foundational stuff that I wish I had. So just things that I've learned over the years of that would have really helped me <laughs> uh, to know before. And I really didn't have a coach. I sought a coach. I wanted coaching. I wanted mentoring. 
that's a big commitment for people. And so most of us don't get the privilege of having that like person take us under their wing and like, let me show you, like, this is the secret of youth ministry and oh, this is where you're missing it. And here's how you can do better. Like, I didn't, I would have loved that. You know, I just either they wouldn't or they couldn't. And so it just was a very slow growth for me. Um, and I want to give those people what I wish I had. So that's kind of the mindset behind it all. And, um, you know, just giving people really practical tools for like, here's how you do your job and here's how you stay in it for a long time. And here's how to shift your thinking, um, to give you what you need to go the distance. Yeah. Your podcast is on my podcast list. And, um, also as well as podcasting, you're on YouTube. Podcast yes. is on YouTube. I yep. do have to have to say that, uh, Jeff, your husband, does a phenomenal job uh, producing videos on he YouTube. Does. Um, I'm not a YouTube, YouTube guy when it comes to watching podcasts, but I do try to watch it every now and then uh, just to keep up with it. Because to be honest with you, me being a podcaster, it, it makes me jealous because I would love to be able to do YouTube as well as y'all do. Uh, yeah, he thought of that. I mean, it didn't even occur to me to put our, so every episode we record it. And then he edits it into, you know, like you said, a YouTube video. So our YouTube channel is the ministry coach podcast, uh, YouTube channel. So if you want to see it live and then he's so generous, like he always gives notes and like PDFs of the game descriptions that we go over and stuff like that. I mean, I have, like you said, I have to give all credit to him because, um, he, that's his a game. He's really good at it. I don't, I don't do any of the editing. I just show up with content, make sure my hair is done. That's it. <laughs> and, and we'll definitely have links to the show notes, uh, for the YouTube channel and also directly to your podcast. Uh, well, Kristen, uh, if somebody wants to get connect with you either to talk more about the subject or, uh, to even have questions about anything from your podcast, what's the best way to get connected with you? Yeah. So, um, you can find me. I have people who DM me on Instagram all the time, you know, to talk about youth ministry. So feel free to do that. Um, I'm just Kristen Lascola, E-N. Um, and then you can email us at ministrycoachpodcast at gmail.com or my personal account is klascola, L-A-S-C-O-L-A at northcoastchurch.com. Um, and yeah, I'm not really on Facebook, um, as often, but you can reach out to me that way as well. It might just take a little longer for me to get it. Um, but yeah, feel free to reach out. I'd love to connect. Well, Kristen, I just want to thank you for taking your time to come on the podcast today. Well, thanks for having me. It was a great conversation. I appreciate it. I can't believe how many things I walked away from this interview mm. uh, like i said early on in the intro i i am horrific when it comes to a transitioning from elementary to youth ministry and part of it is because like we talked about earlier i just don't even think about it yeah i'm so consumed with my time with, with students with leaders and programming and uh even helping out with local worship and a lot of things in between that i just sometimes really don't think about it uh with this transition period 
And God's been working on my heart a little bit this past year to really focus on that and how to be more effective um, in transitioning elementary students to youth because it is a big jump between those two ministries. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I've been very uh, fortunate at my church now because our children's director is an amazing lady. And she is uh, she's one of those people that you love working with because she loves working with you. So there's no fight there. And so this last year, I think, was the first time I think I've ever been a part of an intentional time of transition for uh, our, our youth group starts in seventh grade. So for our sixth graders into the seventh grade. Um, and just kind of giving them an opportunity. Now, we didn't do like a whole year-long thing. It was just like a one-day event. Um, and we did kind of a, hey, welcome to the youth group. Here are all of the youth leaders. Here is the scary, freaky, weird youth pastor. Uh, here's some of the expectations. We played some games, had a bonfire, roasted marshmallows. Uh, we even let the fifth graders that were going into sixth grade come and just kind of get a sneak peek of what's to come. And parents had a chance to ask questions. So thinking about this concept of um, transitioning, I think was uh, fantastic. And uh, even that Christmas stuff hit home uh, for me because <laughs> I had a dad wait a whole year until Christmas Eve the next year. And he sent me a private Facebook message um, yelling at me for ruining Santa for his kid. And he told me at the end of the message, he did it on Christmas Eve, hoping to ruin my Christmas. <laughs> and I was like, That's just mean. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I didn't even say anything to the kid. She overheard a conversation. Um, <laughs> so that, that hit home for me. Um, but it did highlight the importance of thinking through and doing something about transitioning your students. So hopefully this was beneficial for all of you today. And we really appreciate you listening. If, if you've been a longtime listener, thank you for your faithfulness. Um, if you have not yet, please leave a comment and star review on Apple Podcasts. This allows us to continue to keep our content near the top of the search results so that people can find solid youth ministry and student ministry content as they're looking for podcasts to listen to. Uh, we'd greatly uh, appreciate it. Also, we have uh, still running on our Facebook group, Youth and Culture Facebook group. And so if you want to hop in there and join the group and engage in dialogue, ask questions, uh, Ryan and I are both in the group. So we'd be able to answer questions if you have them. And if there's a topic you'd like to hear us cover on the podcast that we haven't quite hit yet, or maybe we have talked about it, but there's something we missed or a different angle you'd like us to approach it from, uh, please feel free to let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Well, guys, stay tuned for our next episode.